You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. a.m. on a cloudy Thursday afternoon. I am Jacob Harrison, the normal producer of the show. Travis Ryer took a personal day today, so I will be filling in for the time being. We'll always remind you just as well that this show is brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier. Right there on Scotland Boulevard as you're heading into Northport, go check them out and uh, make up for Valentine's Day if if you messed it up like I did and... Uh, you know, <laughs> didn't make it over in time, then you can head on over and take over your take care of your Valentine's gift ideas, or maybe dub, just double up on it. Just because who doesn't love chocolate? Who doesn't love to have a? Who doesn't have a sweet tooth? Get on over there and enjoy their fine products. As always, you can call in on the Peter Brook Chocolatier hotline two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. We'll be happy to discuss all things Crimson the Tide with you just as well. Breaking news just before this show started and at the tail end of the Gary Harris show was that the Philadelphia Eagles traded Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick that could turn into a first just so long as Carson Wentz either starts 75% of the uh, or or takes 75% of the quarterback snaps, excuse me, or he takes 70% of the quarterback snaps and the team still makes the playoffs. Now, the Colts made the playoffs last year with Philip Rivers handling the quarterback duties, so there's a uh, little reason to expect that Carson Wentz just so long as he can be even half of, you know, the Carson Wentz that we once knew a guy that, that played at an MVP caliber level until he uh, tore his ACL in an unfortunate tackle in L.A. against the Rams. That shouldn't be quite as much of a problem for him in Indianapolis, who sport one of the best offensive lines in all of the NFL, headed up by their center, Ryan Kelly, a former Alabama Crimson Tide football player himself. Uh, the Colts only allowed Phillip Rivers to be sacked 17 times last year. That, that's that's barely over one per game, um, not counting the playoffs. So, I mean, at the very least, Carson Wentz does go to a solid situation. Reports earlier today were that the Broncos were not interested in Wentz. Uh, they are either rolling with Drew Locke or they're going to put all their chips in to try to get Deshaun Watson should the Houston Texans ever decide to budge on that situation. And that Carson Wentz had no interest in the Chicago Bears. And you could not possibly blame him for that. Their offensive line is constantly in shambles. If you ask our brand manager, Joe Gaither, what position they truly need to get, uh, it would be offensive line. The wide receiving core, they're not particularly great either. And for the Colts, that's a strong suit of theirs as well with Michael Pittman. Uh, having a fantastic rookie season last year, T.Y. Hilton, one of the greatest uh, group of five players to ever play in the NFL, to be perfectly honest. But as for the Philadelphia Eagles, and to tie this whole thing back into the Crimson Tide, Jalen Hurts, now officially the franchise quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, Jalen Hurts did start for the uh, last four or five games, for the Eagles last year, tried to get them into a playoff scenario, and it just didn't work out. Uh, the team 
faced entirely way too many injuries, and then when it came time to try to uh, knock out the Washington football team or the New York Giants out of the playoffs and determine the winner of the NFC East or the NFC least, if you so choose to call them such, then you know the Eagles chose to allow the Washington football team to head on in and uh, host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. And then we got to see Tyler Heineke. So thank you, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you made that man $9 million richer, or at least you, you helped in the process of making that man $9 million richer with the Washington football team. But at the very least, uh, Jalen Hurts did look pretty solid last year, looked like a guy that, that could potentially take over the reins uh, for the team that is now going to have a new head coach, a new offensive system, everything that is involved with that as well. But that is a team overall that does need to give Jalen Hurts some weapons. Uh whether it's offense, offensive line, wide receiver, or running back, uh, that is a team that, that kind of needs it all offensively right now. A team that really has gone downhill since winning the Super Bowl uh, with, with Nick Foles at quarterback taking over for Carson Wentz. Now another thing, uh, and this is a bizarre thing, and, and Travis was mentioning yesterday that he wanted to discuss some mock drafts, and uh, I, I, I won't steal all of his thunder, but I'll get into that a little bit today. Uh, and, and hopefully when he returns tomorrow, he can dive into that the way that he wanted to. Uh, but from the 2016 draft, both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, the top two players selected in the 2016 NFL draft, both of whom the Los Angeles Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles both traded up to the number one and number two overall picks in that draft to select these quarterbacks. Within 20 days of each other, four years later, both have been traded to different NFL franchises. So that's kind of a wild situation all the way around for the NFL draft in in total. And, And that can kind of put you in a situation where you look at Guys like Trevor Lawrence and guys like Justin Fields and and Zach Wilson that are at the top of this NFL draft as the quarterback selections, you really have no earthly idea. It, the The NFL draft is a crapshoot in in all of its glory. Uh, and I enjoy the NFL draft. Don't get me wrong. I love doing mock drafts. I did one last week. You can go to Todd109.com and check it out. Or you can check out uh, the first episode of my new show airing Mondays and Fridays from 7 to 9 on Tide 100.9 off the edge. Uh, we'll discuss that a little bit more in a little bit. Uh, but overall, you just don't know. I say what you will about Trevor Lawrence, and, and I will agree every which way. But the way that the NFL draft is designed, the way the NFL's parity system is designed, Trevor Lawrence is going to the worst franchise in the NFL right now. I mean, you can argue that maybe they just lost fewer, you know, more games or whatever uh, situation. You earn the number one overall pick by being awful, and that's what's happened to Travis Ryers's Jacksonville Jaguars, who not two years ago were running over my Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs on the way to the AFC Championship, almost beat Tom Brady's New England Patriots and almost faced those Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. So how quickly things can turn around in the NFL, it's quite bizarre, to be honest. But as cursed of a franchise as Jacksonville seems to be sometimes, what can you really expect out of Trevor Lawrence, um, even with all of his skill set? What about Zach Wilson, who started... Uh, three years with the BYU Cougs. Um, and, and what about Justin Fields, who, who had these two seasons with Ohio State? Regardless of where they go, they're not good situations, and that makes things rather difficult, all things being considered. So you're almost like, – look at Sam Darnold. Like, so many of these quarterbacks uh, don't pan out within the top 15 picks. So you're in a situation where you're you're hoping that this guy can be the guy to turn things around. Now, that's not to say that guys that are picked later in the first round and those guys that are going to be like Mac Jones and Kyle Trask that are going to go to slightly better situations in the NFL draft this year, that doesn't mean they always work out either. Don't it, The entire process is a crapshoot, but it just goes to show uh, – 
with Carson Wentz being traded today and Jared Goff three weeks ago getting traded that you absolutely have no idea if a guy can be the savior of your program. And, and hell, even if he is, Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. Russell Wilson is upset in Philadelphia. And even 17 years later, the Steelers have no idea what they're going to do with Ben Roethlisberger. Because he's been the franchise for so long, they have no idea. Do you force him to retire? Do you force him to take a pay cut? Do you let him just have one last run? Knowing full well you can't win a Super Bowl. Uh, Now I'm just going to start feeling sorry for myself. We're going to take our first break here in just a second, but I do want to take an opportunity real quick to uh, plug my own show. That might be, uh, I I don't know, maybe Tom Ehrenberg from... uh, (laughs) <laughs> JR's giving me the uh, the thumbs down. Maybe Tom Ehrenberg would would give me an F in ethics for for doing so. But uh, but but Travis, you know, allowed me the opportunity yesterday, so I'll take advantage once again. My show is brand new. It debuted this Monday on Tide one hundred point nine. It's from seven to nine. It's called Off the Edge. It streams live not only here on Tide one hundred point nine and the free Tide one hundred point nine app, but it also streams live in color on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I highly encourage you to go over and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at OffTheEdge109, and also subscribe and like our videos on YouTube. On YouTube, the interesting fact is that when you go there and you subscribe, you will get the best segments clipped out. Uh, We've got two segments up there right now, for example. One is our discussion about Mac Jones and what his potential could be in the NFL, and another is on why Gus Miles on. Uh, well, actually, that one will drop a little bit later today, but little tease. Uh, why Gus Malzahn is his hire at UFC is, or excuse me, UCF. See, I did it too, Gus. Don't feel bad. Uh, why that hire is good for Gus and bad for the Knights. Both those segments are about nine minutes long. So you get to enjoy the show in smaller increments and get to see my wild uh, beard and hair in this cramped little studio late at night. Overall, though, that I feel is a interesting way to approach this radio world. And on top of that, I also, uh, on the Twitter account last night, released a tweet. If this piques your interest, I assure you, you want to go do these two things. You want to go follow at Off the Edge 109 and at J Harrison OTE. That would be my personal Twitter account. And get me to 750 followers. I'm only about 60 followers away or so. I'm not good at math. And get the show to 250 followers. Now, that would be 200 followers almost even. Um, Go do that. And then on Wednesday nights, we will start doing a Twitch live stream of NCAA 14 with the college football revamp mod. That means playing through almost. I couldn't get the schedule completely correct. But playing through the 2020 original schedule with the 2020 Alabama Crimson Tide. That means playing along with Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Will Anderson, and the entire crew that brought home the 18th national championship for the Alabama Crimson Tide. So head on over to Twitter and follow those two pages, and uh, let's get that thing going because I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So enough about me. Will will come right back, and we're going to discuss – a very odd situation in high school basketball that kind of annoyed me. Not going to lie. We'll be right back right here on Southern Fried Sports. I'm, Drake, I'm Jacob Harrison filling in for Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Sun South John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The men's basketball game between 8th-ranked Alabama and Texas A&M, which was scheduled to be played on Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m., has been officially postponed, announced on Wednesday by the Southeastern Conference. The league office announced a total of postponement of three men's basketball games that were scheduled to be played on Thursday due to the icy weather that is moving throughout the region. Make-up dates for these games have not been determined at this time. Next up for the Crimson Tide is a Saturday matchup at home with Vanderbilt. Tip-off from Coleman College. CM is scheduled for noon central with radio coverage across the network beginning at 11 a.m. I'll have more in a moment. 
Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us Thursday afternoon for Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank on the CTSN Facebook page. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central, we'll have conversations with women's basketball player Jasmine Walker, a full preview of Alabama softball, plus an interview with baseball head coach Brad Bohannon ahead of opening day on Friday. That's Crimson Drive, presented by Regions Bank, Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central on the CTSN Facebook page. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sport. A cloudy afternoon. We could see some patchy light rain or drizzle, the high 42. Colder tonight, cloudy, the chance of scattered snow flurries, the low at 24. Tomorrow, cloudy during the morning, becoming partially sunny by afternoon, the high at 41. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Sorry about the uh, little wait there. We were playing a little musical chairs. J.R. Moore is back up here with me. He had some business to attend to of his own. So now I can get to the famous part where I say that joining me and producing this fantastic show is J.R. Moore. And together we form the 60 Minute Men. He tried. Rick tried. Rick's a I mean, it was potted down, but it's there. Rick's a busy man. There we go. Rick's a busy man these days. If you keep up with WWE at all, man, like he just call him. Dan. Wait, can you do one more? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wanted to get into this weird situation. Apparently this happened a week back, but I was just made aware of it uh, today. An Alabama high school basketball playoff game ended with a six to four final score. Parker high school and Carver high school combined 10 points as Parker won the basketball game. Advancing in the class 5A area 10 playoffs at the time. Now, this is, this is a situation. Look, I mean, the way I understand it is that Carver had beaten Parker earlier in the season. So Parker's idea was, well, if they're going to play zone defense, then we will just hold the ball. And, uh, yeah, there it is. Parker had already defeated Carver twice during the regular season, including a 19-point romp in December. So Carver ended the playoff matchup, losing its last three games by 20 points or more. And Carver was averaging 66 points per game, while Parker was entering just averaging 52. So that's a that's a situation where, uh, you know, Parker said, you know, we're going to play de- zone defense, and they just held the ball. That's what Carver did, and it, it didn't work out. Carver didn't win the game, and I think that's a thankful thing. Uh, but this is a situation where 
Could you imagine? And this is all a result of not having shot clocks in high school basketball. Exactly what I was about to say. Now, can you imagine if in high school football there was no delay of game? There was no play clock. You would... Auburn? Well, I I know we just had uh, Adam Weingarten on the Gary Harris show, so I mean no disrespect by this, but last year in the 7A state title... Auburn was not the favorite in the in the game against Thompson. And Auburn ended up almost winning the football game. Other shenanigans ensued. But if all Auburn had to do was just hold the ball for one entire drive that lasted the first half and then try to get the ball back again and then do it again, they'd win the football game and the better team would not win by taking advantage of the rules. Now, again, luckily, Carver did not win this basketball game. But there's a serious problem in high school sports when there's no balance. Because why wouldn't you just do this every game? Just hold on to the ball. Just sc- score less. I mean, it's like they're trying to, I mean, not there, not the kids. I mean, it's not the kids' fault that it went this low. I don't necessarily think. But, I mean, it's it's like the coaches are trying to outsmart the game Try to instead of trying to outsmart their opponent. Like, play the damn game, man. Like, go get your points. Let's go. Come on. That's that's what I'm saying. It. This, this ruins the integrity of the sport because while, yes, on the surface, it's a little silly that in basketball, good defense, you still give up 80 points. I mean, it just shows me that you don't trust in your offense enough that if your your defense gets down that your offense can come back. That's all it shows me. Why would you not just do this every single game, though? Why only against uh, Parker just because they've beaten you twice? Like, I understand. Look, I get it. You want to win. It's it's certainly a strategy that is in play with the rules because there's no shot clock, but it's a serious problem overall. If you want to call in about this or any other subject, you can call in on the Peterbrook Chocolatier hotline, 205-342-9904, and we can dive into a litany of subjects. Uh, another situation is that the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball game uh, with the Texas A&M Aggies that was postponed until today. What? As... <laughs> ultimately and rather emphatically been postponed until further notice. And uh, so Alabama gets a bit of a rest. I think this is a good thing overall because of the injuries sustained by Herb Jones, Sean Gary, uh, Bruner, all these guys are banged up and it's just time to get a rest. And then you get a sleeper game against Vanderbilt on Saturday at noon that, you know, up in Tennessee. So, Still a little bit of a challenge there, but you do get to take on one of the basement teams in the SEC and try to come out with a victory there as well uh, and, and kind of get back on track as we as the Alabama basketball team starts to close out the season. But nonetheless, I think this was the best thing to have possibly happened. I know that it, it it's on the back of you know what's going on in Texas and in so many other places around the country with the weather being what it is. Uh, you know, we feel like we're, we're recovering from one thing and, you know, Everything else blows up. It kind of is what it is. But uh, as far as the Alabama Crimson Tide, this felt like a good opportunity for them to get a break and try to rest up as they prepare to get those two necessary wins to wrap up the regular season SEC championship. Maybe just your lateral uh, subject change, but what about on the women's side? Do do you think they're going to come back and have a better part to the end of their season there's only four games left for them uh they came back and and got auburn uh 92 to 78 even though auburn wasn't playing very well in their season yeah the way i understand it, the women's basketball team had a very strong start to the season then a very very deep valley a very and now they're poor climb, four or five games yeah, yeah trying to climb back up i think it's certainly pl- possible i mean when when you have uh a player go out there and drop 41 i think that that's something to be admired and, and to, to be able to rally the team. CC player of the week. She's crazy. Yeah. Great, great job. Uh, so when, when you've got that going on, I think that helps a great deal. I think it's something that they can rally around and, and turn into uh, success to close out their season. I mean, at the end of the day though, to encompass this thing entirely around 
is Jasmine Walker. I, I was going to say the name. I knew it was her name, and I, I just didn't want to be wrong. It is Jasmine Walker. Jasmine Walker, uh, record-setting performance in that game against Auburn. Uh, but to bring it full circle, Alabama Crimson Tide, the, the domination in every single sport right now is is something to be admired. Uh, and, and you've got to tip your hats off not only to all these players and not only to all of these coaches, but also to athletic director Greg Byrne for, for giving these uh, programs every opportunity to succeed. And I think you know that plays a massive, massive role. There's a reason that the Pac-12 needs a new commissioner, and they're looking at that guy uh, as, as one of the potential suitors. Uh, yeah, that, that's relatively old news, but we do not need to forget about that because I've not named a Pac-12 director yet. But Alabama softball 4-0 to start the season on their own. Uh, shutting out everybody and having the one perfect game. I was about to say, have they given up a run yet? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no, they have not. Now, the competition has not been crazy, uh, and they will get LSU this weekend. So, you know, the competition will ramp up quite a bit. Now, that's something that I want to talk about. That's something that I've heard the past two weeks since we've gotten into the softball season is, you know, they're just, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's not like the SEC competition. Yeah, but they're not a bunch of high school girls either. They're not just like somebody that you find down the street in the dugout. Like, they're D1 athletes that play at a state university at, at, at in Alabama. Like, they're, they're very good athletes. They're not like a Division three nobody. No, like, no, you're right about that. But at the same time, when Alabama lines up with Southern Miss, what happens? Right. I, I, in, but in football, on the gridiron. Softball is a much smaller market of a sport. And it, especially it, with players, and the teams are a lot smaller is, but too. The, the talent discrepancy is still there because Alabama is a top ten team, and these guys and, and, and these girls aren't. I mean, that, that's all I mean by that. The mark of a good team is beating the tar out of those teams when you're supposed to. I wasn't trying to jump down your neck specifically. No, no, but, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah, it's just conversation. We're all good. Uh, you know, but the mark of a good team is to dominate those teams when you are supposed to, and play to the competition with teams that are on your level, which is what LSU is. It doesn't mean a damn thing to beat those teams 4-0. Go 4-0, not a lo- let up a single run, have a perfect game between two pitchers. None of that matters if you go out and you lose to LSU. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the, the team is still successful at that point. They'd be 6-1 and one or whatever the record. You know, there, there wouldn't be a lot to be upset about other than the loss itself, and you'd have something to, to improve upon. But I think even Coach Murphy himself would, would agree. It, it doesn't... It doesn't matter that you beat these teams 29 to nothing collectively if you can't go out and perform against teams that are on your level just as well. So we'll take a break and we'll come right back. I said we would dive into a little bit of draft stuff and with the Carson Wentz trade to the Indianapolis Colts from the Philadelphia Eagles, that does open up a little bit more insight into what could happen with Mac Jones. It's also an interesting situation because of a lot of mock drafts I've seen lately concerning what the Philadelphia Eagles could possibly do with that sixth overall pick. We'll discuss that and more. I'm Jacob Harrison filling in for Travis Ryer. That's J.R. Moore across the glass filling in for me, and we'll be right back on Southern Fried Sports on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Six, eight. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Pride Sports. I'm Jacob Harrison filling in for Travis Ryer on a on a clearing up Thursday. It's a little bit cloudy out there, but it looks nice. It feels good if you're warm-blooded like I am. I, I mean, the snow day didn't affect me. I guess I'm just built different. I don't know. But we're glad you're back in here with us. If you want to give us a call. So cool. Yeah, exactly. If you want to join the show, you can at 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Brook. Peter Brook chocolatier phone line 
I gotta, I gotta give props to Travis for never fumbling over that. I, I know, like you know, he's very involved there. He's that, a pro, Jacob. I don't know what you're expecting. He's, like, exactly, he's he's the greatest of all time. He's the goat. He's the goat. Plain and simple. So I said we were gonna get into some draft talk, and since it's the uh, latest news, Carson Wentz heading over to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts will send Philly a 2021 third rounder and a conditional second rounder that could turn into a first rounder in 2022. Should Carson Wentz play 75% of the quarterback snaps or 70% and send the team to the NFL playoffs. Now, with that being said, I have seen a lot of mock drafts, JR, and I'm sure you have too, where the Eagles are taking quarterbacks. Whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. And that one just doesn't make any sense to me. You know what? Um, I had the same idea probably like 48 hours ago. But then, I mean, I just thought today, like, why not? We don't know if Jalen's going to be your franchise quarterback. If we don't know, why don't you start at week zero and try to figure it out now instead of week eight when when Jalen gets hurt or Jalen throws like four picks and a half or something. Because how often are you picking at sixth overall? That's the problem. Like, yeah, sure, in theory – uh, and, and I know this is what you're trying to say, Jared, but in theory, like, oh, well, if you have two quarterbacks and you don't know the commodity of either one of them, then you could you raise your your chances of having a superstar that can lead your franchise for the next 15 years. But at the same time, you've also wasted either a first-round pick or you've wasted a second-round pick in either Jalen Hurts or whoever that other quarterback would be. Why not instead improve your odds with the current quarterback you have by taking a wide receiver? Last year, the Eagles were desperate for wide receiver help. Took Jalen Rager, which was kind of inexplicable just because he's fast does not mean that he can do everything else necessary of being a number one wide receiver, which I feel first-round wide receivers should be number one receivers. So I say if, if Devontae Smith is there, take him. If not, take Jamar Chase. I, I, I don't see any other situation for the Philadelphia Eagles right here. What if, I mean, so there are two different conferences, so this could work too. Uh, I'm a Ravens fan. What if we give Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, to the Eagles, so Jalen's already played with Marquise Brown, and we take the center, Travis Kelsey, (laughs) or no, Kelsey's brother, whatever his name is. I don't know. He's a lot better than whatever we have. Jason Kelsey? Close enough. He looks like you, just like probably a little bit shorter. I think it's Jason Kelsey. He's also got about 80 pounds on me. Thanks, Jr. Uh I love you. I love you. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm going to be against the Ravens trading into the top 10 no matter what. No, I'm kidding. Um, Marquise Brown isn't worth a first-round pick. I, I saw a drop compilation of all the teams. Drops, Absolutely not. And no. about 90% of them were Marquise Brown. So, um, no, I think that the best situation here, and I honestly think that the best fit, even though Jalen Hurts has played with Devontae Smith before, and has seen success with him, I still think the best fit for the Eagles and what they need is Jamar Chase because they're going to lose Alshon Jeffrey, they're going to lose Deshaun Jackson, but they're going to keep Jalen Rager, which means they're going to keep that speed aspect, a smaller receiver, and they're, they're still can, they still have an opportunity to build with him and, and allow him to grow as an NFL player. But Jamar Chase steps into the program day one. He is the number one wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles in that just creates more and more opportunities for Jalen Hurts to be a successful NFL quarterback. I don't think, you know, Jalen Hurts always gets a lot of crap. You know, even like, because there, there's three categories. There's those that that love him and he can do no wrong. And, and those people are just as delusional as the people that hate him and think everything he does is wrong. And then there's the people in the middle that just respect what he does and understands that there are flaws in his game that he has worked his ass off to overcome over the past four or five years. And I like to think of myself right there in the middle. Uh, I was one of the very few people that actually mocked him into the first round. Okay. So I like Jalen hurts and I respect him and think he can be a great quarterback. He does have accuracy deficiencies and he does lack some visual uh, capabilities. Uh, One of the first plays I saw from Jalen hurts when he took over for Carson Wentz, was one of his tight ends just standing in the flat for three seconds, and Jalen never saw him, even though he was the first or second read on the play. And that's a problem. That being said, Jalen Hurts improved every single year he was at at Alabama. He improved drastically at Oklahoma, and he also improved 
in the NFL. Now he gets a full offseason as a starting quarterback in the NFL with good weapons and an okay offensive line that should everything stay healthy, he should be a relatively successful quarterback. And with Jamar Chase as a number one wide receiver, a guy who did put up very similar numbers to Devontae Smith and has a bigger frame that creates a number one option for Jalen Hurts. And I just, I think that that is the best situation for him. Now, moving on, the other impact of this trade is the Indianapolis Colts now have a quarterback. And I think Carson Wentz is a good fit for the Colts. Uh, they drafted Jacob Eason last year out of Washington. So now they have two guys. They, they have their insurance policy in Jacob Eason. I, I see a Wentz and Jarrett. I don't feel great about him either. He's got a cannon arm, and that's about it. Uh, but but you've, you've got your two guys. And Mark Richt has worked with Carson Wentz before. He likes those strong-arm quarterbacks that can evade the pressure and are just overall smart with the ball. Uh, Wentz has had a seem has seemed to have had a bit of a case of the yips last year, so it's a it's a wonder can he a come bit back? a bit. Uh, okay, he he was he was bad last year, uh, but you hope that Mark Richt, who has been really great with quarterbacks, uh, for all intents and purposes, Philip Rivers had an incredible season last year. Uh, uh, you know, nothing to hang his head off of uh, to, to close his career on. So I think. Overall, the Colts are in a situation where they can feel comfortable not taking a quarterback in the first round. In fact, in my mock draft that I released on Monday, I had them take Gregory Rousseau, the the defensive end from Miami. So that does impact Mac Jones and where he could potentially go in the NFL draft. Now, a lot of people don't think anymore that Mac Jones would last until 21, and I'm one of those people as well. I had him go 15th to the New English New England Patriots. But I still contend that because of the accuracy of Mac Jones and because of the pocket awareness, um, now understand I'm a little bit biased in this for what it's worth, but one of my favorite columnists that writes for the Pittsburgh Steelers that does a lot of draft uh, analyzing before the NFL draft actually kicks off and kind of looks at guys that could potentially be Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, much as, much as Alabama fans do the same for the Crimson Tide players moving on. He recently looked at Mac Jones and just flaunted over the fact that this guy's accuracy and his pocket awareness. And I think those are the two things that you just that that people just aren't giving the extra look to. Like they're they're looking for, you know, cherry pick stats in his accuracy, saying, Oh, well, you can't throw outside the numbers very well. Well, if you put on the tape a little bit, you can also see where in certain situations where he's on an opposite hash and slings it to the other sideline, even with his deficient arm strength, and hits an arm target pass. You can see other situations where he takes two or three steps to the right and hits Jaleel Billingsley with a a safety draped completely over his back, and Jaleel Billingsley still doesn't know how he caught the ball. Also, just like a very, very tiny little footnote, um, the hash marks in the NFL are going to be closer together than they are in college. So um, making those across the numbers, those outside the numbers throws are actually going to be like two feet easier for him on either side. Right. And and see, and that, that kind of brings me all the way back to the point that I started the show with, is that you just don't know which quarterbacks are going to actually create for themselves success because it's dependent upon each quarterback. I know a lot of people don't understand this and it's a very difficult process to understand, but just because Mac Jones went to Alabama doesn't mean that he's the next Brody Croyle or AJ McCarron. It also doesn't mean he's the next Tua Tungavailoa or the next Joe Namath. Not that I'm pairing those two together. Uh, so like it's, that's not how it works. Same thing for Justin Fields. He's not the next Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins guys. Like he's the next Justin Fields. And whether that's, Justin Fields, great pro bowl, all pro leads a team to a super bowl, or that's Justin Fields out of the league in three years. That's the entirely dependent upon Justin Fields, the football player and human being, right? And that, that's, that's a serious like thing that, that people have to understand when they go into the NFL draft is everything is a crapshoot. Everything is coincidence and everything is reliant upon the situations in which these quarterbacks go to and who they are as human beings and as football players. And with Matt Jones, you couldn't ask for a better human being, first of all. He's a great guy. Uh, made some mistakes early and, and learned from them as he went on. His teammates love him. He's got a great personality. He's a leader. He goes out there and he succeeds on his first opportunity. And then everybody says, well, he's got all these weapons around him. And all this other guy, guys, just because he plays behind a good offensive line, 
doesn't mean that he's fully incapable of managing a pocket because he consistently did it throughout his career. And just because he had incredible wide receivers doesn't mean he was throwing to open wide receivers all the time. As I mentioned, the Jalil Billingsley throw. I know it's one throw that I'm singling out, but you still cannot explain to me how that ball got in there and Billingsley caught it with the defender draped all over him. JR, you're laughing. Just super, uh, <laughs> just super coachable. Just seems like the guy that uh, you want your daughter to date, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, very, you know, first guy in, last guy out kind of guy. Definitely. Definitely. If you want to know more of my feelings on, on Mac Jones, I strongly encourage you to head on over to Off the Edge on YouTube. Subscribe there. Check out the video as we dove more into what Mac Jones is as a NFL prospect. One other guy that I want to talk about is Landon Dickerson. Uh, and, and, you know, Travis always giggles a little bit every time I talk about Landon Dickerson because I want Landon Dickerson to be the next center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm selfish like that. I want the Steelers to draft every single Alabama player, by the way. I, I don't know how it's going to work. This is the only year I've ever been like this, so cut me some slack. But it's, it's the first time ever that the Steelers feel like they're in a position to draft a, an Alabama player that fits a need. And somebody is starting to get a lot of love as a first-round pick. Daniel Jeremiah put him in the first round, and, and Mr. Ravens over here is just not having this conversation at all, and, and I don't care. Uh, the, whether or not Landon Dickerson is a Pittsburgh Steeler by the end of the day, I think what we can both agree on is, hell yeah, Landon Dickerson in the first round. Let's go. The guy deserves it. Now, look, he, the medical is the problem. And I put out uh, a Twitter poll at Jay Harrison OTE. And it was kind of balanced, to be honest. It said yes, no, or it depends on the medical. Depends on the medical one. But is Landon Dickerson a first-round prospect? And about 80% of people thought it was. Just 40% of those people also thought it depended more heavily on the medical. What does OTE mean? Off the edge, on Tide, 100.9, Mondays and Fridays from 7 to 9 p.m. Streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, as well as the Tide 100.9 app. Oh, that's novel. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Good plug, JR. All right. so I know how to do my job. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Lana Dickerson, first-round prospect. Now, I mean, that makes it more difficult for the Steelers to get him. I'm not going to lie. It's too many, too many needs, and and now we're in a state of we don't know if, as Steelers fans if Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back. So I'm like I I'm just staring at this window with glee. Like should I just jump out of it? Uh, no, we're all good. It's all jokes. Uh, but the the Steelers getting Landon Dickerson seems a little bit more difficult. But Landon Dickerson in the first round is something that I think we would all be proud to see. This guy came in from Florida State and became a fan favorite. And it took time, but he he proved what kind of brotherhood this Alabama Crimson Tide team is and what being a leader means as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that his medical check does check out. He was able to at least take snaps in the national championship for the kneel downs. So that's at least a positive sign. But if, if teams can feel confident about his knees and the other injuries he sustained while he was at Florida State, then possibly he could be a first-round pick. If not, maybe an early second-round pick. And still, either way, you got to feel happy for that guy. If he is in the first round, though... That could mean Alabama would possibly break, not just tie, but break Miami's record of six players taken within the first round of a single NFL draft. And what more could you want than the Alabama Crimson Tide breaking yet another record about sending players to the NFL? They've already got 68 there. They've already got 68 players on a roster. And they're sending about 12 into the NFL draft this year. We're going to take a break, and we'll come right back. We'll discuss more. Actually, speaking of transfers, I want to talk about Henry Toto. We'll do that and more. You can call in 205-342-9904 on the Peterbrook Chocolatier Hotline. We'd love to hear from you on these subjects and more right here on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Uh. A cloudy afternoon. We could see some patchy light rain or drizzle behind 42. Colder tonight, cloudy. The chance of scattered snow flurries below at 24. Tomorrow, cloudy during the morning, becoming partially sunny by afternoon. The high at 41. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. 
flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports. I'm Jacob Harrison filling in for the one and only Travis Breyer. J.R. Moore filling in for me as a producer of the show. Good breaking news relayed by Michelle Sipe, one of the interns that's in there with me on the Gary Harris show on Thursdays. The Alabama Athletics, in conjunction with the Student Government Association, have partnered together and are excited to announce that the men's basketball game versus Auburn on Tuesday, March 2nd, will be senior night. Only the senior class will be eligible to request a student ticket as it will likely be their last opportunity to attend a home men's basketball game. Now, that is great. That is a great idea. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for for dropping that in our little chat. And, you know, I would offer up for all of us to give them a round of applause. However... I would first mention that what the hell you could have done this three or four times throughout the season, guys, you could have done it for each class to make sure that everyone from each class could go. Yeah. Well, don't complain. They're doing it now. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I could have that attitude, but I'm not gonna because I'm just busting your (laughs) chest because they, 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 they messed this up throughout the entire season. I, I cannot tell you how many, people that I know that are passionate Alabama basketball fans haven't been able to go to games. And and it's it's really, really messed up. Uh, we've got about seven and a half minutes left in the show, so we're going to jump out to the Peter Brook Chocolatier Hotline and check in with Shutdown Man. Shutdown Man, what's going on, brother? Hey, guys. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed this uh, draft talk. I'm glad um got some, some guys there that are on top of the draft, uh, especially uh, since Alabama's going to have several guys going early one two uh, uh one thing um i just want to bring up a comment and then ask you guys a question one of them uh yesterday i noticed an article where june jones former head coach former yes. offensive coordinator longtime offensive guru uh he's got mac jones as his top quarterback on the board so uh and that's encouraging news especially from a guy like you know that's been involved in the nfl and a lot of leagues really but just that just want to throw that out there. That's his top guy. Yeah, I, I think you know, that was something that I, I meant to uh, bring up, so I'm glad you did. Uh, I think that's a, a very interesting take. I don't know how seriously I can buy it. Even even as much as I sent for Mac Jones, I love Mac Jones. And I think he can can have an incredible career. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has everything he has and more. And and that, that, that just seems like a, a slightly wild take. But the closer and closer that Mac Jones can get to being a top 10 pick, then that's better, and this kind of discussion is is what can kind of drive that stock up into that stratosphere. Um, so um, I'm counting uh, like nine, I think nine Alabama former Alabama players going into the NFL draft. You have uh, time to um, kind of go over real quick, like how you think they'll fall uh, as far as uh, first, and I'm seeing first, second round mainly, and then. Not sure about Miller Forrestall uh, with his injuries and all. May have. Um, he's been real solid at Alabama, but I uh, just wanted to see what your uh, take is on how these guys will fall when draft day comes around. And uh, Ryan Fowler just texted me and said that uh, June Jones will actually be on the game with him at 2.15 to kick off the game with Ryan Fowler on side 100.9. So uh, folks should, should definitely tune into that. Uh, as far as the other Crimson Tide players, I think – that six or seven is the max that you could see go in the first round. And honestly, even every, every single year, we think that that's, that's what's going to happen. And it ends up being four or five. It's, you know, with Najee Harris, if he runs a four or six, his first round grade becomes uh, relatively questionable. Landon Dickerson with the knee that becomes questionable. Uh, the rest though, I feel very, very confident that, that they could go so that, that at least gives you five. Uh, I feel confident will go uh, Landon Dickerson. I, excuse me, not Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood. His stock has been plummeting since the Senior Bowl. Uh, inexplicably did not play in the Senior Bowl. 
Um, nobody still really knows why. Uh, doesn't look like he can be a left tackle day one. Looks like he could start at right tackle or, or at guard and then eventually move over to left tackle, which is a much more difficult path to take in the NFL overall. So expect second or third round, depending on where teams want him to play. If they want him to play at right tackle and only right tackle, maybe second round. If they want to progress him along, probably third round. Uh, Deontay Brown, similar situation. Cornbread. Cornbread Brown, 364 pounds of beef. He. Uh, it's not of beef. It's of cornbread. I just told you. What? Cornbread with beef. What is? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, anyway, third or fourth round uh, definitely has to go to a power scheme that isn't going to ask him to pull too much. Um, but I think he could be successful. Teams want to bring him down off that 364 number, though. It's just entirely way too heavy. Uh, another guy to definitely watch out for being drafted is Thomas Fletcher, long snapper. He would make the seventh consecutive drafted long snapper oh, yeah. in the NFL. Uh, and there's without a doubt, I mean, the kid's going to get drafted. Now, whether or not that's a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, I don't know, but he will get drafted. He had an incredible spe- senior ball, and uh, I, I have yet to talk to somebody who thought differently. Who are the uh, first three Bama players off the board? Uh, without a doubt, that is Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Mac Jones. Without a doubt. All right. Appreciate the information. Absolutely. It was fun talking to you. Um Something that that Shutdown Man was uh, pretty adamant about on Twitter at one point, too, and we only have a few minutes here. Uh, In fact, we only have two. Um, Is Henry Toto, I don't care about the guys that are already here and their feelings. Nobody should. If Henry Toto comes here and you think you're better and you deserve to be in his spot, take it from him. You should not go to the University of Alabama to play football expecting that you are going to play football. Exactly. You, like you should expect that you are going to work, and then if you get football, you get football. In, in, a, in a way, yeah, I agree with you. Because I, if you go in with the expectation that nobody's going to stop you from keeping football, keeping from playing, I think that's a, a similar similar take, and that's how I, would, how I would phrase it. But overall, none of those guys are better than Henry Toto right now. And that's that's fair. He's already an NFL prospect. And he already was was planning on coming here anyway. He was one, he was a recruit that Alabama thought they were going to have. So the fact that he went to Tennessee and came back, he would have beat those guys. And that's all due respect. If he doesn't come here, then I'm rooting for the guys that are here. I'm always going to root for who's here. But I'm also going to root for the idea of getting better. My name is Jacob Harrison. Join me Mondays and Fridays on Off the Edge on Tide 100.9, streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at off the edge 109 and at J Harrison OTE. It's been a blast hanging out with you, filling in for the one and only Travis Ryer. He'll be back with you tomorrow right here on Southern Pride Sports on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Have a